Welcome to the Phase World Podcast, engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to the Phase World Podcast, and I am your host, Fei Wu. Please welcome Nate Delon to the Phase World Podcast. Nate competed at the 2014 World Muay Thai Federation Championship on Team USA and took gold medal for the Pro-Am, which is Pro Amateur Heavyweight Division. Wikipedia states that Muay Thai is a combat sport of Thailand that uses stand-up striking along with various clinching techniques. It is characterized by the combined use of fists, elbows, knees, shins, being associated with a good physical preparation that makes a full contact fighter very efficient. Like many of us, Nate has a full-time job. He's a producer at Sapien Nitro an advertising agency based in Boston, Massachusetts. In this episode, you will learn about how Nate was able to balance work and his lifelong goal to compete on the international stage. I would like to thank Matt Lindley very much for introducing Nate to this podcast. Matt is my hero and a wonderful guest who appeared on a previous episode of the Face World podcast. If you have listened to some of my previous episodes, it is no secret that I'm a dedicated martial arts practitioner as well. So the desire to interview someone like Nate is obvious. But why should you care? And how does interview benefit you in any way? Ironically, much of the learning as a martial artist can apply to regular office jobs. Not the fight, of course, but the strategies that help you improve your interpersonal skills, reading and understanding your clients, managers, peers, even at interviews. What and how can you learn about the person you're speaking to quickly and respond effectively? So here are some examples of the questions I asked Nate. How did Nate prepare himself for the world championship in Thailand? In just three months, how did he peak his performance and condition himself to be in the best competition shape ever? What type of fighter is Nate? And what is competition philosophy? How does Nate study his opponent prior and during the competitions? How did Nate overcome fear, pressure, and other mental challenges during practice and then on stage? Last but not least, what are the counterintuitive learnings that significantly improved Nate's ability to win? Without further ado, I would like to welcome Nate to the Phase World podcast. You don't have to take notes furiously. Remember that the show notes, the stories, all the tools and resources are on my website at phaseworld.com. F-E-I-S-W-O-R-L-D. If you enjoy this episode, I welcome that you check out the other episodes on the Phase World podcast as well. And I would mega appreciate that you would consider writing a review for my podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Please welcome Nate Delon. Don't waste yourself. What's your style? So welcome to the Phase World podcast, Nate. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited because I feel like I don't really know all that much about you just yet. 
So I'm actually learning about you as we go along cool. during this podcast. So if I may recall, we met uh, during last year's um, the event Friends for Boston Homeless. Mm-hmm. And it was sponsored by Matt Lindley, um, along with a number of other board directors there. And he pointed you to me. I remember we're on the second floor and I was dumping my face with, uh, I don't know, um, Rankatory ice cream. And he said, that guy, you've got to talk to that guy. And he competed in Muay Thai and represented the country. And there you go. So um, I'd love to hear that story from you. So what was this recent competition and win that you just had? Uh, well, I guess it's not that recent. Um, it was uh, last March. Um, I got invited to fight for Team USA in the World Muay Thai Federation Championships in Thailand, uh, which was like a crazy experience, uh, a crazy opportunity. <laughs> um, and I went over there with the expectation that I might do okay. Um, I just really wanted to kind of see what uh, see where I stood as a fighter, and uh, I ended up winning the pro am. Uh, tournament for 91 kilograms. That's the heavyweight division, mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was crazy. I don't know. It was, I wasn't expecting it to happen. It happened, and yeah. uh, I don't know. It's just been a wild ride. How long did you train for that competition? Uh, well, I uh, was training kind of just my regular practice routine, uh, and I made the decision to go. Uh, I got the invite maybe in November, last November, and then I officially accepted it um, January 1st. So I was training every day or twice a day from January 1st until uh, we left March 12th or mm-hmm. March uh, 8th mm-hmm. to go to Thailand. So just about three months. What was that training twice a day like? I mean, just give us a sense. You have a full-time job, which we're going to review pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The training, I mean, there's so many different ways of doing it. Uh, a two-a-day two session might be start at 6 a.m. and do uh, you know, a couple-mile run, five rounds jump rope, five rounds on the bag, five rounds hitting pads, five rounds clinching, five rounds sparring, mm-hmm. go to work, finish work, go back to the gym and do the same thing. I uh, ran a lot of stairs. Harvard Stadium steps and uh, Summit Avenue Hill. Wow. So, and it was cold. Uh, oh, man, so, I forgot about that. We're in Boston. And uh, the craziest thing about it was uh, I got myself in, in what I thought was world-class competition shape. And then I got to Bangkok, <laughs> and everyone was equal. And so once I was in Thailand, I had to step it up again another level, which was very um, physically challenging, but very rewarding mm-hmm. at the same time. So I, I want to go back even before the, uh, the what do you call that, would be the U.S. team training. Before January, um, what was your regular training like compared to your competition training? Uh, well, I, I train uh, for fun. Uh, I live like a mile from the Y Crew gym in Alston. Uh, I've been fighting for them for, I guess, almost seven years, six years. Um, so I've had different roles there. I've, I've worked there. I've fought there. I've trained there. So uh, regular training, you know, anything from once a week just for fun to four times a week to kind of stay in better shape. Um, so it just kind of like would show up and just kind of 
get loose, learn some new techniques or work on sparring and stuff. And uh, I don't know. So it was kind of just like a regular, like you might just call it like how other people just go to the gym to lift weights or just go to the gym to spar just for fun. Mm -hmm. um, but then once it stepped up, it was a, a lifestyle change. Yeah. Speaking of stepping up, what was that defining moment? What was that? not that you turn to say that hey maybe i should step up did you make that judgment on your own or did someone your coach approach you um so uh the coach of team usa is a uh, crew mark nardone he's one of the highest ranked muay thai um authorities in the united states um and he had spoken to me and said that he expected that i would do well in the amateur and the pro-am tournament and maybe the pro tournament if i chose um and that was a vote of confidence um and then as i started training in, in I, I won an american title um a couple years ago and i knew what that required and i knew that i wanted to be in at least as good shape as that um and so as i started to undergo the training i would you kind of get to these points mentally where you say all right i'm now equal to what i did before i know this is good enough to win a title and then you kind of hear this other voice that's mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, well, you're going to the world championships. Maybe you should keep pushing. So I would keep pushing, keep pushing. Mm -hmm. um, I did a lot of a lot of my training by myself, like running stairs at night. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really just you against the voice in your head. Uh, and I just kept saying, like, you're gonna, you're representing the country. You need to be the best possible fighter that you can be. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I just felt so much pressure mm -hmm. that I was pushing. Uh, but I guess it turned out to be good motivation. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you brought up personal training, and in this case, training on your own. I remember, I want to quickly invoke the, the fact that one of the, the reasons I'm so interested in interviewing you is uh, I myself had been training in Taekwondo, which yeah. is a Korean form of martial art. Uh, for the past 12, 13 years and growing up I did Kung Fu and a bunch of different styles and never competed at your level and um, a couple of weeks ago I interviewed my own instructor Mr. Um, Michael O'Malley who is a lifetime uh, achievement award and um, also in the Taekwondo Hall of Fame. We talk about training a lot. I mean martial art as a topic is it is the theme in my life. It's come up every day, multiple times a day and I'm so glad that we could we could probably talk all day long all day all day and um, i'm still curious about training on your own and to strike for that balance and it's so tough because when i speak with professional athletes and they say when you train yourself you go to two extremes you either train way too hard or not hard enough so how do you go about that individualized program for yourself um well a lot a lot of the stuff I do by myself is purely cardiovascular training. So when doing technique and doing, uh, you know, working with a partner, mm -hmm. um, that that's much less of a mental exercise because you're with your teammates and they're pushing you. Mm -hmm. But um, then there's a certain level of road work. You know, you have to run long distances a few times a week. You have to do short burst cardio on stairs and hills. And that's where you really have to hold yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. um, there's some some people talk about an 80% uh, theory, which is instead of going as hard as you can every day, go 80% mm -hmm. 
every day mm-hmm. and it will you won't burn yourself out I never have the problem of uh, going too extreme I kind of I just I don't know I, I, I don't know where the balance is I just know that if I don't do it I'm gonna get punched in the face or take a knee to the face uh, mm-hmm. so anytime I get tired just I say well I'm not really tired you can always go more um, mm-hmm. so it's just sort of like the accountability I'm not afraid that I'm gonna lose I'm afraid that I'm gonna get hurt so mm-hmm. it's much easier motivation you know mm. when you hit the wall like runners hit the wall I think in our training you know even at work we all hit the wall so how do you motivate yourself to, to keep it going and I find that to be so fascinating because as much as this is a physical sport it's really real much more so of a mental game yeah you have to play during training and more in the competition yeah um, hitting the wall I never really mm-hmm. I I get physically fatigued because um, running stairs is like hard on the legs and stuff um, and you know you get banged up and sparring and everything but Mm-hmm. Mentally, if the fight's on the calendar, um, I never get, I never hit a mental wall because I know that if I do, I'm gonna pay for it. Mm-hmm. So it's more like when I get to the physical point, letting yourself take a day off when you need it and to recover is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably a lesson that's harder to learn for me is I, I would always say, well, I don't want to take a day off because I don't want to fall behind. Mm-hmm. But eventually your body says you need to rest. So and mm-hmm. just listen to yourself, I guess. Yeah. I think the word is train mindfully, like yeah, know your body. Exactly. Because you have to pay for injuries too if that happens, mm-hmm. especially closer to the competition um, that you don't have time to recover from. Mm-hmm. Uh, recover from. So... I was wondering, I actually watched some of the YouTube videos that you had and you know, it was really fascinating because in my eyes, trying to analyze your movements as a martial artist, um, clearly, I think you're as a heavyweight, um, even though heavyweight isn't all that heavy in the martial art world, what are some of your signature moves or kicks? Again, not to give it away, no, you're still competing, we don't want to <laughs> give away your trade secrets. Uh, well, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't have a big secret. Uh, I have kind of uh, a few things I've built my game around. Um, I I love just this Muay Thai simple round kick right leg. Uh, that's been my bread and butter. I've I've been able to, uh, I guess, kick powerfully for my weight class. Um, saw that coming. I saw that right. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so. It's what I'm known for, I guess. Uh, my boxing has caught up lately, so I have simple hands that I use to set up. Um, the legs and then I like a few um, defensive feints like most people faint and fake on offense Mm -hmm. and I like to set up the fake from defense so that if you hit me and I hit you back and you hit me and I hit you back the same way when you hit me I fake like I'm going to hit you back a different way and change it and Mm -hmm. try to score a point that way Um, I love the chess game of Muay Thai but I'm not that fancy Uh, I'm I'm pretty simple Uh, I've been told I fight economically, so mm-hmm. don't waste a lot of energy, don't waste a lot of movement, and try to set up for the one move that's going to yield the maximum results, which for me is usually a kick to the leg, body, or head. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to end it. Yeah, I think a defense is just as good if it's not a better of an offense. And even in Taekwondo, I see young kids practice. It's always attack, attack. 
But then after attack, there's the counter attack from the opponent. Sometimes that gets you, that gets you the point. So, you know, I was wondering a couple of questions that I wrote down here is, I feel like there is that music, there's that tempo and a little dance in what we do as martial artists. So, do you think? I mean, what do you do at home, like waiting for the food to come out of the microwave? Do you listen to shadow boxing constantly? <laughs> uh, um, I'm always shadow boxing. I shadow box in the elevator. I shadow box. Uh, I try to do it subtly when I'm in the subway. I practice footwork a lot. Um, a lot of Muay Thai is is how your foot touches the ground and how you can move. So uh, I turn light switches on and off with my feet. Um, and there's definitely a rhythm and a pace, um, especially in America. A lot of American strikers push, 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 and they're dancing around, especially American kickboxers, bouncing, jumping. Mm. Um, but Muay Thai is very, you take it slow and rhythmic and relax and stalk your opponent, uh, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to go back to your point about defense. Um, I like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I... I found that, yeah, a lot of people attack, 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 but in a way, defense can be um, almost more demoralizing to your opponent. If mm. someone's attacking you as hard as they can and you're calmly <laughs> absorbing the shots, mm. um, it was wild. Uh, I saw this fight in Thailand. Uh, it was uh, the Russian super heavyweight versus the Thai super heavyweight for the world championship. And... Uh, the Russian fighter was built more powerfully and much more aggressive than the Thai fighter. And uh, he was pushing and attacking and attacking and attacking. By the third round, the guy was so tired that when the Thai fighter finally went on offense, mm-hmm. he won it easily. Wow. Uh, and I don't know, sometimes, what do they say? The best offense is a good defense? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, know. something <laughs> like that. And that's a strategy right there. And I think when you compete, sh- strategy isn't... I don't want to say it's everything, but it's such a core component. Um, so how long is uh, the competition? How many rounds do you have, just so I get a sense? So long? it's uh, the amateur competition is uh, three rounds, two minutes each. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pro, uh, pro-am is uh, three rounds, three minutes each. And a pro fight is five rounds, three minutes each. And you are the pro-am? Uh, pro-am champion, yeah. I see. I, uh, I entered the amateur tournament uh, and I lost in the semifinals against Russia. Uh, I have come to accept the loss now. I've watched the video and I'm not sure I lost the fight. But, uh, you know, uh, Alexander Limentov, the Russian fighter who beat me, very strong, mm-hmm. uh, very good clinch. Uh, it was sort of turned into a clinch versus striking uh, match and uh, it was really close. I lost by, I think, a point. So. It's a political game, you know. It definitely was, you know. <laughs> on the international stage, I gotta say, uh, there was something like forty countries represented, and you see political rivalries. I mean, Russia fought Ukraine. Mm. Uh, you know, you see uh, fighters from Europe fighting uh, fighters from the Arab world, mm. and the crowd picks sides, you know. And depending on what country the referee is from and the oh, judge, yeah. there's. There's all kinds of political stuff, so I definitely tried to not think about that. I mean, the fighters, a fighter is a fighter, and uh, I think it, in the ring there's there's not biases going on, but there's definitely political mm-hmm. undertones to 
international competition for sure. Absolutely. I think some of my audience might not be as aware of that situation as we are. I'm fully aware and um, and I think it's it's really crazy because at that stage, right, people are so close in skills, in skill sets and training. And it's at times, yes, I argue it's difficult to judge, but in martial art, it's not so black and white. Unlike a running competition, you know, you have a camera, you can see you. E- even that, you know, even some competition as black and white as running, you still get into these political debate very easily. And, um, and I like your mentality of thinking, being the fighter, going out there, do your best, and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think you're like that all the time? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I try not to get too emotionally... Uh, Swayed, you know, it, uh, when I first started fighting, actually, even up until going to Thailand, uh, every fight I would kind of like take it so seriously, which isn't necessarily bad, but I would, it was almost like tensing up and, mm. you know, oh my god, it's a, it's a kill or be killed situation, you know, <laughs> even though it's not, but just take it so seriously because I had an undefeated record for a long time. And I never wanted to tarnish it. Mm. Um, and when I went to Thailand uh, in the amateur tournament, um, the other American fighters had already been eliminated, and I was the last fighter. Um, and I put so much pressure on myself mm-hmm. that uh, I, I don't want to say I didn't have fun because I always have fun, but against Russia, I was thinking in terms of the tournament and mm-hmm. thinking there came a point in the fight where I knew I was winning by points and I decided to like strategically try to contain my opponent and I ended up losing because I didn't try to go for the win mm-hmm. um, and then later on in the tournament I when I made it to the finals uh, I just decided, hey, how many times do you make it to the world finals? I should just relax and have mm-hmm. fun. And I approached the fight totally differently. And I said, I'm just going to relax and do my thing. And I ended up having a much better fight because I hadn't put the pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. So definitely it was a lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny. In comparison, even when I go from my colored belted ranks at my school, I could just I get very tense with people watching. I mean that is would be five one percent of the pressure you're facing. I like you know you're you're clearly a very intelligent guy. Ah shucks, thanks. <laughs> so I wonder if you study your opponent and opponents in this case and challenges of people you've never fought with before, right? On at the international stage, never met. But do you study? Do you go to their Wikipedia page? Uh, yeah, well, the the, uh, the interesting thing, internationally, I, and this was kind of, I sort of knew this, but I, I realized it firsthand, is that like the, a country's culture and personality comes out in the fighter's style. And mm-hmm. not in a way to, to be like stereotypical, but if you look at a Russian fighter or a Brazilian <laughs> fighter, they're gonna fight in a way that sort of reflects their national style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you take uh, or uh, and and at the, at the international tournament, one of the things that's interesting is all the fighters are basically living together and training near each other, and there it's two weeks long of fights all day every day from uh, 
the smallest women to the heaviest men just going in order all day. So you can go to the stadium and see other teams fight and see other countries, mm. but you might not necessarily know who you're fighting. So in both cases, um, I didn't see my opponent until a couple minutes before the fight. Mm-hmm. So most of what I was doing was trying to study the fighters on the team to see if there was a theme that they had. Um, and if uh, in the states, you know, I'll definitely stalk someone as hard as I can. Find, <laughs> find that guy. Yeah, YouTube videos and. <laughs> Um, but yeah, definitely studying opponents, trying to find strengths and weaknesses. But at uh, against Russia, for example, I didn't see him until a couple <laughs> minutes before the fight. I happened to look out of the window from where I was training, and I saw him mm-hmm. warming up. And that's when I made the mental decision to say, okay, this guy mm-hmm. is just another guy. Like, he's he's the same as me. He's not like a superhuman or anything. And I knew that... Mm-hmm. All right, we're probably physically matched. How am I going to beat him? And I start to put the game plan together. Mm-hmm. Can you study your opponent during the competition? And, um, you know, you have three rounds. Can you study for a couple of minutes and see the behavior and readjust your strategy? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, traditionally when uh, Thai fighters fight, uh, they go slowly. And the first couple rounds are trying to find the measure of your opponent. And a lot of... Uh, a lot of fighters from don't have that approach and they try to come out as aggressively as possible. So I try to control the pace of the fight early so I can see what the opponent's going to be doing. Um, is he, you know, can he strike from range? Are his hands better than his legs? Uh, are the elbows a threat? Are the knees a threat? And then I try to look for a pattern and say, all right, if I hit him, how does he hit me back? Mm-hmm. If I hit him a different way, what does he do? Or what does his offense look like? And then I start to look for when I can predict his movements in the pattern, then I can counter effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely study. I, in the States, I always try to study my opponent. And Thailand was definitely a challenge because you have to learn it mm-hmm. when you're fighting them for the first time. Mm-hmm. And when you were in Thailand... Um, I mean, I don't know how many Thai guys are your size. and Not very many. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were actually no Thais in my division. Mm-hmm. Um, it's So at my size, 91 kilograms, which is 201 pounds, um, that the game is much different than would be for like my friend and teammate Julian Nguyen uh, fights 154 pounds. His division was the biggest one in the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. So the game is a little different. At, at the higher, at the smaller size, speed is a big thing. Um, you see a lot of mobility um, and, and agility. And at, at the heavyweight division, you see a lot more uh, calculation to deliver more power. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to fight any 200-pound uh, ties. I, I was looking forward to it. But I'm <laughs> looking forward to it, um, maybe after the competition. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking, but when you mentioned Russia or Brazil, and especially Russia, in my opinion, after watching the TV show, one of my favorites called The Americans, yeah. it's about Russian spies, and yeah. seeing that guy's probably 150 pounds, that actor, and he kicks so much butt. And I've seen Russian fighters in boxing and, you know, kickboxing, they're scary. So, 
I want to make it very clear that uh, you know they're they're really good fighters all around the world, even in countries that you potentially you know people haven't even heard of. So that's fascinating. I, I have another competition related question: is whether in training, I guess separately training and the competition, what are some of the counterintuitive things you've learned about yourself about training? You know, because for example, I give you some time to to think. Like sometimes. I remember when I was going from being a red belt to a black belt in Taekwondo, I hit a little bit of a wall. Like, I don't know, you know, when it comes to basics, I feel like I nailed that. But then when I became a black belt, I realized I had to relearn a lot of the very basics. And certain things I did, unpredictably, that made me better, like significantly better. There is that exponential growth. What was that for you? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Uh, I find it's Muay Thai, the, the system of movements is very simple. Uh, it's very, very, there, there are advanced motions, but for the most part, it's very simple. So a lot of times I'll have one mechanic the same way for years. And then someone who maybe I haven't trained with that's looking at me freshly will just make a small adjustment and it will change, you know, turn your hip this way or pivot mm -hmm. your foot this way and all of a sudden it's changed everything mm -hmm. um, I think counterintuitively uh, one of the things that that helped me go from a sort of plateau was that when I was a couple years in I had won um, a bunch of fights and I had I had won by TKO which is like you injure your opponent and that was I was fighting with a lot of power um but in my power, I was fighting not very efficiently because every time I would try to deliver a powerful kick, I would sort of clench all my muscles and hold my breath a little bit and get really tense and deliver a big hit as hard as I could. And then it would use a lot of energy. And uh, some uh, crew, Mark Clem uh, from Bon Muay Thai actually came back from Thailand and saw me hitting the pads and I was trying to impress him by hitting it as hard as I could mm. and he was like Nate you look like a crazy person like you're <laughs> holding like just relax 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 and I relax all my muscles and it turned out that to deliver more power actually takes less strength you just have to relax and use better technique mm -hmm. which sounds like it makes sense but at the time mm -hmm. it didn't occur to me that trying as hard as I could didn't make the hit as hard as I could. Mm. So Makes total one. sense. Yeah. M makes sense to me because I remember one of the things my instructor, uh, Mr. O'Malley, teaches me is don't clench up at the beginning. You have to really tense your body, everything at the very end. Mm -hmm. Or the, imp the impact. Yeah, exactly, when you hit the opponent. And I watch kids when they tense up at the beginning and their final execution is actually much weaker than they could have delivered. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow. I want to talk about your upbringing for a second. Sure. Because people, people probably so far have heard this tough guy. Probably from a tough neighborhood. But I know that you're not from a tough neighborhood. Yeah. So um, where uh, are you from? <laughs> I was born in Cambridge, Central Square. I uh, grew up in Newton mostly. Um, went to Newton North, go Tigers. Uh, and then high school I moved to Framingham um, when my parents got divorced. Uh, went to school in Pittsburgh. So I bounced around a little bit. Um, I would say, uh, you know, I got into my fair share of scraps when I was little. 
Um, you got picked on? Uh, yeah, I was a lot skinnier. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay, those people listening to the podcast, run now. <laughs> uh, no, it's all good now. Uh, no <laughs> grudges, but uh, it definitely got pushed around a little bit. Um, but I would, I always loved fighting. I always loved the science of it. So even if I was getting my ass kicked, I would sort of notice, like, all right, I'm getting punched in the eye. But, like, if I move my hand this way, it sets me up to punch back. And I started to kind of put it together myself. Mm-hmm. And then once I started to learn, I, I studied uh, a little bit of Kung Fu, um, Weichi Ru Karate for a while, where I learned, like, sparring. And then I learned small circle jiu-jitsu, which is, like, a, one of the most brutal street fighting styles. So once I, And I worked as a bouncer for a long time uh, down in Fenway, actually. So applying different techniques in street fight... Um, sort of helped me understand range, aggression, mm-hmm. um, you know, power versus speed and multiple opponents at a time. So then once I transitioned to Muay Thai and like really fighting as a, a competitive art and then as a uh, professional fighter, uh, it just the love of the science and the art is what I mm-hmm. gravitate towards. Nice. What do you think some of the influences from other martial arts such as Kung Fu, Jiu Jitsu um, have, uh, you know, sort of changed your game a little bit for Muay Thai or have they, you know? Um, I would say range is definitely something, you know, sparring, learning maybe eight when I was eight or 10 or 12 or 14 years old. Uh, just simple karate sparring, even though the power is not there. Just seeing what does it look like when someone's coming at you? What does it. How does it feel to take a punch to the face? Or just looking for movements, you know, when someone's attacking, you pick up the movement quicker when you see the muscle in their shoulder twitch or the muscle in the hip twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of helped me uh, not freak out. You know, you, you can recognize things. Um, and then in terms of like, as a, as a true fighter, as an all-around fighter, and not specifically Muay Thai, like in a street fight, I would use a combination of Muay Thai and small circle Jiu-Jitsu because mm-hmm. the combination of those two is the most powerful and most brutal. Um, but as a Muay Thai fighter, I would say that it just being calm and economical is mm-hmm. really what the background gave me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm learning a ton here. And So what are your advice I guess what are what are some of the things that you've learned you would like to advise to other youngsters um, whether they're teenagers or they're working adults professionals want to consider competing in martial art in general well I mean it gives a lot of balance to me I I find uh, you know it's a great outlet and (laughs) I actually when I interviewed for the job here at Sapien they Matt Lindley interviewed me and he skipped my whole resume and went right to the bottom and said, oh, holy shit, Muay Thai champ and that's what we talked about. Uh, got you the job. Got, apparently it got me the job. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's been great for me. It keeps me in shape. Uh, it keeps me accountable. And, you know, before I started fighting, I, and I, I'm still kind of a lazy athlete in a lot of ways. Like my friends, when I train at the gym, they know that I like to uh, get by with the minimal amount of work, mm-hmm. and that. Uh, but it has made me realize that I can't do that, so I always have to hold myself accountable, and that kind of crosses over to the rest of the world. You know, just 
even when you try to lie to yourself and say, I'm done, I'm tired, I don't have anything left, mm-hmm. uh, you always have something left. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in Thailand, I had to cut uh, 14 pounds in 24 hours to make the first tournament weigh-in. And I had the sweatsuit on, and I hadn't eaten, and I, I was just basically running and jumping rope in the <laughs> tropical sun. And I had been doing it for hours, and I was like two pounds away. And it was, I think, six o'clock in the morning, the day of the weigh-ins. And I said to uh, my teammate, Julian, I said, dude, I don't know. I don't think I have anything left. And he was like, dude, you have everything left. Mm. Just keep going. And you can always keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was definitely, you can apply that to anything. So martial arts, if you're trying to get into it, it's it's amazing. And you find, you got to find the right one for you. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely teaches you about what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. So push the human limits. Yeah. Speaking of that weight loss just now. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to lose the weight like two weeks before the competition, but like the day off? Well, there's several different strategies. uh, And in a way, it's sort of a dice roll. So ideally, you want to... How do I explain this? So the weigh-in is the day before... or. The day the tournament starts, you have to be at weight. And the day of the fight, you have to be at weight. So ideally, uh, you want to be a little bit above the weight, lose it with water, and then rehydrate yourself. So when you step in the ring, you're actually a little bit heavier than the number. Mm -hmm. So there's pluses and minuses. Some people think if you're fighting at 91 kilograms, you should train to exactly 91 kilograms and you'll be uh, strong and relaxed and like well-nourished the day of the fight. Some people, like me, think you should be just a little bit above, sacrifice to get down, and if you can recover quickly, you'll actually be bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside to that is if you don't play it right and if you don't time it right, then you'll be weaker. Um, if you can't, I'm used to doing it because I've done it for fights in the States. So I can recover and I know what my body takes to do it. But if you time it wrong and you end up losing too much weight mm. or you don't dehydrate correctly, then when you get in the ring to fight, you'll be uh, dehydrated and, and stiff and mm. probably lose. Mm. Uh, I got lucky because the tournament bracket was drawn randomly and I was gambling that as a heavyweight, I was going to be towards the end of the schedule of fights. So I would have time to lose the weight for the first Mm weigh-in, then train down while still getting higher cardio, Mm -hmm. and then cut again. And it just happened that I was perfectly timed to be recovered for the times of the fights. So Mm -hmm. it paid off for me. But it was definitely... 14 pounds in 24 hours is definitely not easy, huh? Not easy. That was that was a serious challenge. I was uh, running on the beach at like 4 a.m. in a sauna, in a sauna suit. Mm. Um, but it got to the point where I knew exactly what point I'd have to run uh, to lose exactly how much weight. So on the final weight cut, I knew if I ran five miles away to the beach and back mm. that I would be exactly on point. So wow. physically challenging for sure. Definitely. And what is the lifespan of Muay Thai? And I guess that's another way to, to ask you the question. How long 
do you want to be in this competition? How long do you see yourself? You know, I, I just turned, uh, or I'm about to turn 31. Um, and I've been asking myself that question. I don't feel old. I feel, I feel powerful. You're not old. Let me just clarify. Oh, thank you. I'm the same age. So. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I don't feel beat up or anything. Um, I feel like my style has changed as I've gotten older and I've relied less on agility and more on strategy but uh, I still feel powerful um, that the international cutoff for uh, tournament competition is 35 um, and you know I've thought about stopping but the thing is when I don't train I I don't know I'm like agitated mm. I need the outlet and uh, people when you're a fighter and you won a couple titles, people are aware of you and they know that you're out there. So they gun for you kind of. So if I go to a fight, um, people know not necessarily who I am, but they know I have a title. And I feel a certain responsibility that if I have the title, I should be ready to defend it. Um, and I don't plan on losing it. So as long as I have it, I'm gonna try to be ready for it to at least a certain extent, you know, mm -hmm. then once there's a fight on the schedule, mm -hmm. I go crazy. But mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I never wanna be at the point where I sort of stop because, let me put it this way, I'm gonna keep doing it as long as I love the art mm -hmm. and I still love the art, so. Mm -hmm. uh, when that point comes uh, for all of us and whether, you know, just changes happen in life and you could have other pursuits as well, do you think you'd be interested in training other people as a coach or definitely i i've uh i have been uh sort of working for my membership for the team uh part of that means that you help out as a teacher or you hold pads um and i've been training some fighters um so uh i, I love doing it uh the only thing the only downside to it is that it takes time away from my own training so I love teaching people and I love to give like little little hints that they can then use and, and watch them get better but then it's sort of like when you're teaching someone else you can't get better yourself mm -hmm. so I like it I need to find the balance exactly mm -hmm. so we're running just a little bit out of time it's almost like noon exactly um, I want people to really learn about you and I want people, whether they work in agency, consulting, finance, law firms, to know that you could have other pursuits outside of work. You know, for me, it's podcasting, for you, Muay Thai. And I want, um, what are some of the channels, outlets that people can learn more about you, follow you? Uh, actually, this is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, when I was there on the way out of the building, uh, Matt Lindley said, you know, we should really put a GoPro on your head or something while you're going there. Go uh, Matt. And uh, well, I said, you know, a friend of mine lives in Bangkok and he's a film producer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's it going to cost to to get a camera for a couple of days? And, uh, you know, the Thai rate is much lower. Um, so <laughs> we ended up having a film crew in bed with the team for the whole tournament. And we wow. produced a documentary that's coming out, I think, in January. It's called Under the Lights in Thailand. Nice. Um, I'll send you the link for the trailer. Mm -hmm. But uh, definitely check that out. It's got some sick Muay Thai footage in there, um, some awesome fights, some great knockouts. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you get to see kind of what we did 
for the the international tournament. Uh, there's, I have a couple fights on YouTube you can check out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will make those YouTube videos and the trailer if I can share on the blog post. I'll yeah, do that. Yeah, sure. And um, what about uh, Facebook, Twitter? I know you're pretty active there. Uh, yeah, you know, at DJ Detonate on Twitter. Uh, you know, do the DJ thing, run cutting class records. Um, yeah, just Nate DeLong on Facebook. Hit me up. Yeah, and yeah. you have a fan page? Uh, not actually. I don't have a fighter fan page. I don't know. Fighting sort of <laughs> became... It's like just... It's a thing that I do that I love, but it's not like my public face kind of you know what I mean yeah so you want to be you yeah awesome this is super fun thank you so much for thanks for having me Faye this was awesome to listen to more episodes of the Face World podcast please subscribe on iTunes or visit faceworld.com that is F-E-I-S W-O-R-L-D where you can find show notes links other tools and resources you can also follow me on Twitter at Face World until next time thanks for listening